and go. Can I, I have, so girls, I had the best time shopping to my friends at the mall. And I keep making a big deal about the mall because I literally only either online shop or thrift shop or somehow a friend's like, hey, this doesn't fit me anymore. (laughs) You want this? This is literally how I shop. So my friend Hope was like, Mercedes, I'm coming to the mall near your house. Do you want to go shopping? I was like, oh my gosh, this is so at the cool. mall. You're like, what go is shopping. that? <laughs> and we went and Zara at the mall. <laughs> I was like, you guys, we are going to take the escalator. I'm going to have yeah. a drink in my hand, like, you know, like a coffee drink in my hand. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm going to get a If Wetzel's it's a good pretzel, day, right? I don't know. <laughs> if it's a good day. And we did. We took the elevator. I feel like a child when I'm in there. I I took the elevator and then the escalator. Oh, I saw you. You were dropping it and locking it. And I had a drink in my hand. And then I made them. Yes, I made them do (laughs) (laughs) a reel. (laughs) And so strangers came. Nope. And try to pass us by, but I said, oh, no, no, no. I need you to take a video of me and my friends first. Other people hanging out at the mall, which I also didn't know was a thing. And um, it was so wonderful. And we went to Zara, and they were having a huge sale. I walked out with, like, three pairs of jeans, two sneakers for my kiddos, this sweater. That sweater, listeners, this sweater so is unreal. I've been wanting to comment on it. So yeah, three pairs of jeans, a sweater, two sneakers for my kid, and a t-shirt. It's hundred bucks. Zara, Zara sales so are good. the best when they have them, but this stuff flies off the shelf. When they show up, I know. <gasps> and the line was long, so we tagged Ooh, in nice. shopping. It was, a, it was Man, so fun. That is definitely... <laughs> I was, I felt like I was really in it. I was like, we are out here in this world, you guys. Yes. And I'm not oh my gosh. Okay. Mi- truly, my truly star watches like little teeny bopper movies, right? She's 11. And she has yes. this dream of shopping in a mall, an indoor mall. And in California, there's not, there's a lot of outdoor shopping promenades. So you like yes. go shopping. Come to yes. me. That's She's like, what mom, I can did. we please go to an indoor mall? please and i'm like what is this dream you are dreaming i need to know more i had like two years ago my niece and august who who were both in middle school then were like we're so bored we were like visiting my mom in texas and i was like you guys i would drop you off at the mall and they just stared at me blankly they were like why would we do that i was like there's stores and ice cream there's a gap <laughs> and Wetzel's pretzels <laughs> and you walk and you loiter around different spots in the mall yes. <laughs> they were not in they were not in well we have a mall near where I live in Southern California that is just sort of the saddest of sad malls <laughs> and true ones together I'm like truly there is like an obscure sneaker store there is like a gadgets and gizmos store and a jc penny like that's all you got i know what you're talking about from across from no no that's different no that one's even i know anyway the mall the mall was once alive it was once a dream (laughs) okay guys well i love them all but enough of this Let's shout some worth and shift some narratives for people with Down syndrome. 
Today, we are going to chat about all things we're celebrating this February. Woohoo! It's Black History Month, Inclusion Month, and so much more. We're going to share what these things mean to us. Welcome, friends. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Able Now. Able Now accounts help eligible individuals and their families save and invest for the future without endangering certain disability benefits that are critical for health and independence. Able Now savings accounts are available to qualified individuals in all 50 states. Learn if you or someone you know is eligible for an Able Now account at ablenow.com. That's A B L E N O W.com. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to tell you guys that we heard from one of our listeners, and you know what her name is? It is Jessica Sean. And she says this So thankful. I want to just scream, Yes, me too. Every episode. Thank you for creating this content. Y'all rock, and we are an amazing community I'm so lucky to be part of. So, uh, Jessica Sean, thank you for leaving us a review. We love hearing from our listeners and hearing your reviews, and we would love to hear from you. So don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We want to read it here, and we want to know what you're connecting with, and we hope that you out there are also feeling yes, me too, with the stuff we're talking about here. Yes. Love it. Love it. Um, you guys, okay, February. Welcome to February, everyone. That's exactly it. a month from today. It is World Down Syndrome Day. It's also our 200th episode. <gasps> wow. Where's your, where's your sound machine? It. The sound with it. We need the crowd roaring. Um, it's <laughs> ah, clappy, clappy, clappy. Here. Oh, oh sparkles. <laughs> Was that loud for you guys? Yeah, much louder yes. than last week. All right. Okay. I like it. Um, and February is a lot of things, including Black History Month, which we've done some really rad Black History Month content on here in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Such good conversations and topics. Definitely, I agree. Yeah, we've um, we've had a lot of Black advocates, and we've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I know that I've learned a lot. Um, let's maybe we should kind of mention these past episodes we had. We, if you go back to episode yeah. one forty six. We have It's Black History Month. Let's talk about it. 147 is Resources for Black History Month, movies, podcasts, books, and more. We have episode 148, which is Diversity in the Down Syndrome Community. And there's more, too. Do you want to read any, Mercedes? Then we have episode 149, The Only Black Mama in the Room. 
scrolling back a little further down, um, episode 101 with Jalandra Davis on race, disability, and advocacy, and 102 with Kelly Kaufman, more than a moment. Yes, I love it. Um, some oh, of guys. some of the conversations with Jalandra Davis, if you haven't listened to those friends, those have transformed some of my thinking, and mm-hmm. those are just she's so brilliant. And I would actually, I haven't listened to those in a while. I'm actually going to go back and listen to those episodes. And then with the yeah. resources, okay, a couple things. Have you guys watched the 1619 Project on Hulu yet? Not yet. Can you please tell okay. me about because, or just tell me if I should, because I didn't know if I was ready yet. I haven't watched it oh. yet. <laughs> I was like, is it going to be okay. heavy? I got it pretty um, I mean, <laughs> Obviously this is, heavy, but. yeah, this is coming out. We're recording this a few weeks, almost a month before this comes out. So it, the the sixteen nineteen project has only been out for a couple of weeks. Oh, because it was a podcast before, mm-hmm. and right? a, um, okay. and then it's now a, a Hulu series. Now it's going to be a Hulu. Yeah. Okay, I think six episodes. It's are, suggesting it this. hard okay. on my Hulu, okay. and I'm like, okay, is tonight the night? Okay, is tonight the night? Like I, I'm going to though. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard mm-hmm. <laughs> to watch. Um, yeah, because of the history for black people in the United States, Mm -hmm. but I haven't seen it, but that's something that I I want to watch. And then the other thing is hair tales. Have you watched hair tales? I have Tracy, um, Ellen Ross, right? Is that her name? So good. Okay. So she is a black woman and goes around it's episodes where she's interviewing other black women about their journey with their hair. Um, and it's wow. like, takes you through the culture and everyone's stories are so unique and God, it's great. Isn't it great, Merce? It's so good. It feels so, um, validating too, um, because I've always had different textured hair in a pre- predominantly white community. So like finding a salon was so hard products were so hard. I was in the era of really bad fry your hair out, Mm -hmm. um, straighteners, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, like we've come such a long way. And I just remember to not being validated because like, oh, everybody goes through awkward moments with their hair or, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, the awkward years, but it felt good to like watch. And I'm continuing to watching like just other women going through their hair journey who I would think would know more than me, maybe because they have other black women in their lives, but it is such a personal journey and I'm still on it. Like I just took out my braids recently and my friend, I was like ready to put new braids in. And then she's like, no, you got to rest your scalp, protect your edges. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know I needed to do that. Like, Mm -hmm just constantly learning. And I'm finding that that's not just me. It's even within black community, constantly learning how to care Mm. and love our hair. Mm -hmm. Right. It's Mm -hmm. such a big conversation that I feel not alone in anymore, just because I grew up in a white area, but just because it's society, like it's how I even view my hair as it's just wild things that I'm learning. Yeah. The, you, you not only grew up in a, in a white area, but you grew up in a culture that has been 
dominated by white beauty standards. And so even like the commercials you've seen and the people doing their hair on TV and everything that like has been exposed in your life has taught you how to do Mm -hmm. my hair and not Mm -hmm. how to do your own. And how what haircuts to do. You remember Rachel from Friends, like I wanted that layered. Are you kidding me? Layered haircut with curly hair. Psycho, <laughs> skinny, skinny brows and layered hair. There, it was a sight. I need to find the photo. It's a rough time. Oh my gosh, I love that you went for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm watching Hair Tales with True, and my daughter Truly is is African American and Guatemalan, and she is being raised by white parents. And there's like just it's a whole layer in a conversation, and I'm constantly listening to um, transracial adult adoptees and in the similar situation and the hair thing is like a real um it can be a real tense conversation and I'm trying really hard to shut my mouth about it and also recognizing that I can't relate to her in that regard nor am I giving her that cultural piece like you were talking about Mercedes you didn't have a lot of that either growing up in a predominantly white space and I in watching hair tales it is like oh like exactly what you said women who did have the cultural representation and connection are having the same feelings about their hair that truly is having about her hair. It doesn't it, like take away from the fact that it is going to be a different journey for her because of how she's being raised with in a white family. But it was so helpful for me to watch that. And then I think too, if you're, if you are a listener who isn't black or connected to someone with hair with who is black and ha- is in that hair culture, It's so helpful to watch because there's so many, when we talk about like black history and we talk about issues of race and all those things, there's so many microaggressions around hair that white people aren't even necessarily aware of, right? When it comes Mm -hmm. to black hair. And Mm -hmm. so it's helpful, I think, to watch. It's also Mm -hmm. so well done and entertaining and it's people telling their stories. You know, we just, we gain so much as humans when we listen to the stories of others. So I highly recommend everybody watching it amazing and that, that'll be in our show notes listeners yeah so you can find the link there it is a good one and also dear white women you have no clue we have no clue how much money black women have to spend on their hair it's really unbelievable it's mm-hmm. unbelievable That's ridiculous <laughs> yes it and is. so it's like an art form and then like this whole like Art care, I guess you could say. I would also say that I'm so thankful that Truly has you, Heather, for listening and doing the research and doing what you can. Because I, I feel like that. Um, I don't know, as adoptive mom, but on the reverse side, for Sunflower, I feel this immense pressure about her skin, and <laughs> she's got like with every new freckle, I'm like. Dang it. Mm. <laughs> the sunscreen, the hats, you know, I feel like it's so um, a constant relearning to keep up with that constant conversation of, okay, being intentional. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like hair is such a big part of black culture. I will make this the priority. I will do my, you know, as her mama intentionality. I don't know. I just wanted to say that because it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thanks, girl. Yeah. Thanks, friend. Thank you. Black History Month. 
guys. I know. I do love that we're highlighting all those past conversations because I think we came into this next, this month being like, wow, I, at least for me, when we were in our meeting and talking about what do we want to do for black history month? Um, a lot of the conversation is still the same, you yes. know, mm -hmm. and our nation's still the same. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I almost wanted to be like, let's just revert back to <laughs> that conversation in 148. Um, cause as much as we're moving forward and, um, the headlines oh, gosh, are still yeah. the same. Mm -hmm. I had no new material to bring to the conversation when we wanted to, when we brought up, what should we talk about for Black History Month? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's heavy. And um, I think the last few years have brought a lot to surface, which we're all I think we agree on that and maybe not all of our listeners do, but the last few years have brought so much to the surface. And then we live in a culture for so long that we just want things to change instantaneously or just quickly. And it's like, that's why knowing the history is so important. It, it's not just going to, you can't just wish it away or cover it up. And we talk about this with ableism too. You have to destroy it. You have to rip it out of the ground, you know, and then rebuild upon that and to realize that the, like where we're at as Americans, when it comes to black history, um, of course things are happening today the way that they are, you mm -hmm. know, because we haven't dealt with the stuff. So we, we have to know our history. It's so important. It's so important. How else are we going to change yep. the future? And then it takes time, it takes time, which that slow way life, Micah, give us a word. <laughs> it's hard. Well, I'm just thinking about my poor little fiddly fig that I overwatered no. and looked yes. it up this weekend. It's been getting all these brown spots and falling off. And I love that thing. I wanted it to do so well. And mm. you know what it's got, you guys? Root rot. No got the root rot soil and is so everything i've read says you have to take the soil out the soil's contaminated you got to throw the soil out you've got to trim the root rot off of the roots you've got to get new soil mm. you need to get the right size container and maybe my container was too big and uh and it's just not a easy <laughs> i can't just spray it i really wanted them to tell me i could spray it or that i could pour some coffee uh, in it sugar i saw that somewhere and i was like oh if i can just put coffee in the dirt that'd be great <laughs> but when the root is rotten then you gotta it's it takes digging the whole thing out it takes not just digging it out but a really vulnerable time of exposing the roots yeah. and you can't expose those roots and trim them and grow at the same time and i think you know when we're having these conversations mm, it's good. we have to keep that in mind that this is we're in a vulnerable moment of our root rot being exposed it has to be trimmed and we've got to get all new soil and yeah um, that's a journey that's such a good word mike i hope you wrote that down somewhere and are sharing that
<laughs> Come back and listen. Um, I'll write it down now. That's a good word. And, <laughs> and let, I would just encourage, yeah, it's work. You know, it's work. And I would encourage listeners let's, to go back and listen to some of these episodes because um, mm-hmm. I know with the guests we've had on, people have given so much of their expertise and lived experiences. And, and it's part of that cleaning the soil or mm. getting better soil is the learning. Mm. Yep. And it's a process. It's, I mean, just like peacemaking, right? Peacemaking Mm -hmm. is, Mm -hmm. is not something you just sign an agreement. You just recognize that there's a problem, but it's a, it's a long journey of healing. Mm -hmm. Mm. I think that's also why I love that February and we haven't talked about too much in the past is also inclusion awareness month Mm -hmm. which pertains to all our listeners as well is that there's a repetitive pattern in our culture of discluding Mm -hmm. of naturally this pecking order and um i don't know february's busy man we're breaking down. This is the month. We're, to, to break it out. all down and to erase right? it. Um, Heather, you recently did a post. I did. Kind of. <laughs> Would you like to share? I feel like it's good to share. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so February or Inclusion Awareness Month started in 2011, which you guys, that was 12, that that was 12 years ago. Wow. Oh, I guess that is long. Oh my gosh. How's that possible? How's 2011? 12 years ago. I'm getting so old. You are for sure, Heather. (laughs) For sure. That was the year Truly was born. (laughs) Um, Oh. I, yeah. So we, the story is, I'll just tell the story. When Mason has started at new schools, so like going into middle school, going into like when we have moved and then when she switched schools. Um, Macy has had a one-on-one aide since third, maybe second grade, since second grade. She's had a one-on-one aide and she, it's been an expectation that when she gets to school, wherever she's entering the school, the aide is there waiting for her and walking her to class. Now, a lot of kids need one-on-one aides to get them from point A to point B, or they need an adult at any stage of life. Adults, there's adults in the world who need another adult to support them in getting where they need to go. There is nothing wrong with that that does not take away or add to anybody's value. But every time Mason starts at a school, it's assumed that she is going to need that person to meet her at the side gate where the kids with disabilities enter and exit the school because that's where the buses drop them off. Or because it's easier because it's less congested and that's where the aides wait. And there's just a bunch of adults gathered in in a space and then one by one, they they go off. And so when Macy started at her middle school that she's at now, it was October. She'd been in another school for a couple months. And at we dropped her off. And then at pickup, the aide said, um, well, one of the staff, it wasn't her aide. One of the staff members said, um, this is where kids get dropped off so that their aides can meet them to walk them to class. And I said, oh, okay. I, I think that Macy can go in and out of the main gate. So she's going to go in and out of the gate where all the other kids are going in and out of. And once she knows where to go, she's actually really great at navigating camp ca- campuses. That's one of her skills. 
And that conversation happened. And then the next day it was like, we went to drop her off and the aides waiting at the gate. It's like, okay, if you like, if she knows where to go, she's gonna be able, she'll get there and she knows where the class is. So maybe just step like stay back so that she doesn't then come to depend on you to get her. Cause there's also that, right? The trick with the one-on-one aid is it's kind of this like fine dance because you don't want our kids to become more dependent because it's it's nice when people do things for you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'd love to follow someone around the world who's telling me where to go, um, but that's not going to help in her independence. So it was a few months of like we drop her off late for something or we pick her up early and it's like there's the aide waiting for her at the office and me texting her case carrier saying, please stop sending the aide. If you guys are worried that she's going to, be in danger, then watch from afar, like give her the space. I'm not worried about that because the school's gated, like they're just logistically in who she is. Let her have this, right? She's not doing so much other stuff independently. Just let her have this. So it's just this, for me, it's been this battle. And so I've been taking videos of her. I drop her off for school, not even by the gate. I drop her off on the street, like where the parents pull up. She walks up the sidewalk, crosses a little street, walks all the way up to the gate, walks to the main entrance and gets to her class. And she's even told me if I don't, cause they have a road, they have this stupid rotating schedule, which is the worst decision any school's ever made for a student, especially middle <laughs> school. I love the rotating <laughs> schedule. Um, so sometimes her classes are changing every day. And it's like, if you don't know where to go, what do you do? And she asks the security guard, what period is it? I don't know what period it is. What period is it? And she knows the security guards. So it's just this moment of like, okay guys, it seems so minute, like so little. And even when I mentioned it on Instagram, there was a lot of pushback from people that was like, they're just asking a question. You're not assuming, comp- presuming competence for the aides. Like you're assuming that they don't want her to be independent and I'm making big assumptions. And then like, of course it's in her own safety for these questions to be asked. And I get that. And also um, someone pointed this out. Someone said, as I'm reading what you're like, hearing what you're saying and reading it, it made me think of microaggressions that people of color have happened all the time and how that's happening in a disability space. And the reason that I was like so irritated and, and alert and really offended by the whole situation is because it wasn't this one time this happened. It's been a building up to for her entire educational career of assuming she can't do something and therefore let's put an adult in place to help her do it. Again, there's no problem with that. She needs help with adults. She needs support from adults in so many areas at school. But why is that always the starting point? You know, like Mm -hmm. why is that where we start when we look at our kids with disabilities? That the things, the deficits and assuming, presuming that that they are full of deficit. Mm. So that's the long version. I saw that comment back to you and then even you saying it out loud um the microaggressions are hard ones to explain because so much of it is feeling and I relate to what you're saying as that goes because I I I shared this story before I don't know if I shared it on the podcast of when I was at um this really pretty gardens in um, Corona Del Mar, like really beautiful. And Corona Del Mar is very beautiful. And um, I think I was just like in 
really casual wear with a brand new brave baby brave and sunflower and we were walking around the gardens and we wanted to go to the farm to table restaurant there and um this lady just had older lady had eyes for me as soon as he showed up there and um was very sweet like did you make a reservation i said oh no and she's like don't worry i'll get you in and she was very sweet walked me to my table she didn't work there but she was a frequent person there walked me to my table um ended up paying for me and sunny's meal and didn't sit with us but ended up paying for it and then when we were ready to leave. I saw her sitting with her girlfriend and I said, thank you. That was so sweet. You've been so kind to me. You didn't have to do that. She's like, now, where are you from? And, and it validated what I was feeling that she knew I wasn't from the area. Do you know what I mean? Like I felt like the whole time I felt this, I was like, Oh golly, I'm her service. Good service for the day, (laughs) you know, like, Mm -hmm. and that, is a microaggression. It's mm-hmm. sweet. It's kind. She's not, maybe she just wanted, you know, I told a friend this, you know, she's like, maybe she just wanted to help out a young mother. Maybe she saw sunflower and wanted to treat you girls. And I was like, no, I know. And then she asked me if I was, you know, from the area, she knew I wasn't from the area, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. that's, an issue. She paid for it. She, it was sweet, but I can't explain it. It was sweet, but also a little cringy, you know? And like, I've microaggressions are so hard to explain. They are so hard to convince someone. That's how I feel sometimes. And I feel like that's how maybe you felt Heather. It's so Mm -hmm. hard to convince you fully of what I experienced in that moment, Macy experienced Mm -hmm. in that moment, right? It's totally so difficult. I don't even know how to go about it. Cause yeah, true. Like, yes, they should make sure liability wise that Macy is fully protected, blah, blah, blah. Like I get no, nobody, like you could get where parents are coming from and their Mm -hmm. pushback to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you're also like, I want you to know the whole story of Macy's journey and me with Macy and me with Macy in the school's journey. And they just want, nobody will (laughs) unless they like take time to just take your word for it. And your approach to it did not sit well, did not work for you and Macy Mm -hmm. in that. I don't know if that makes sense, but. That's the only way I could like, I was like, oh, microaggressions are always that kicker for me. Cause that's really all I have to go off of. And probably I would even say for sunflower where it always runs this fine line of, mm-hmm. well, they had their best intention, right? But that's yep. not, oh no, you're being dramatic. Right. You're being, you're now you're taking it too far. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's the enemy, you know, mm-hmm. it's like. Oh, that one is a hard one that yeah. microaggressions are hard. Yeah. I appreciate For every... you. No, go, go ahead, ahead, Micah. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I appreciate Mercedes, you telling that story. I think that's really helpful. And I, it does feel like something can look sweet on the surface and be sour underneath, <laughs> like be um, 
icky underneath and it's like a it's something that only your intuition or your body or your gut like it's in those places that you feel it and that's why it's so hard to because if you're just looking for what the actual action was then it looks nice it looks Mm -hmm. sweet whatever Mm -hmm. it is but the that that under part is real and trusting our intuition is so important to tell us the truth about what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think microaggressions are harder to see because they're just like birthed from that foundation, those systemic issues, Mm -hmm. right? Like the, the things that are happening systemically. So when we talk about our schools and we talk about ableism and we're talking about inclusion, our schools in America were built upon the idea that disabled people are bad and not welcome here. Mm-hmm. That's just how it was built, you know? So systemically, schools have improved a ton. We can even look at, like, we just had an IEP for Mason last week too. All of the professionals and all of the dollars and all of the effort going towards one kid with a disability in the school, it's like I see how you're trying to make that work, but the system, it never was broken. It was built against my kid and talking about like history, right? Like we have to, we have to fix the soil. Nobody's trying to fix the soil. We're just mm-hmm. trying to put a whatever. I don't know what we're trying. We're pouring coffee into it, whatever we're doing um, <laughs> with the analogy. And I think that like, I, I even feel like in this regard where it's like, you're being overly sensitive or whatever. It's like for, for every 100 to 1000 in which I didn't overreact sensitively. Now I'm going to have a moment where it's like, no, you know, like the, that's the thing about microaggressions and people who experience them. It, it's not just once in a while. It's every day. It's yeah. every day with our kids with a disability. We are experiencing some kind of messaging that they are, that they can't, that they won't, that they shouldn't. They are experiencing that every single day, every yeah. single day. And it, and it creates, yeah, like that narrative about who they are in this world, what gives them value, what doesn't. And we're going to combat that. And if I'm going to combat it by saying, you know, like by challenging the question of Mason's going to, this is where Macy comes to meet her one-on-one aid. I'm not going to apologize for that. Like I'm not, I'm seeing educators get real upset and I get that. Like our, our educators are working so hard. The ones who stuck it out through COVID, right. And are still working. They put up with so much and they're working so hard and educators are incredible. And just because they're an educator or because they have a special credential or because they love their student that they work with with a disability doesn't mean that they've undone ableism in their own life. Mm -hmm. One doesn't equal the other. And we're experiencing it constantly in school in teeny tiny micro ways over and over and over and over again. And it's a lot. Mm-hmm. In regards to inclusion, um, I talked about this in my, on Instagram in a story, but in a follow-up to this post, I almost just thought I got to take the post down because I really did poorly in the 100 words I used to try to describe the situation, but I didn't. Anyway, my husband's a graphic designer. And in the design world, there's a saying, um, quality is the absence of non-quality signals. And meaning... Like you're, if you walk into a restaurant or you're, you look at some kind of marketing or whatever it is, if, if you don't see anything wrong with it, 
then it's quality work because it's the absence of non-quality is what makes quality. No one's looking at it like, well, this is beautiful and this is quality. You don't notice when something is not quality until there are non-quality signals. And so inclusion is the inclusion is the absence of non-inclusive practices. So when I'm sending my kid to school and they're going to a school where there's a separate classroom for kids with um, more severe disabilities, that's not that's not a part of the general public, right? And they're going to a school where there's a separate entrance and they're going to a school where all these things are happening, then I'm on heightened alert because inclusion is not happening because mm-hmm. of all of the signals of non-inclusive practices mm-hmm. going on. It's not it's not possible. Same thing like belonging. Belonging ha- belonging is the absence of non-belonging. Mm-hmm. And so you step into a school or you step into a fill in the blank. And it's just all of these signals of exclusionary practice and non-belonging and separating and othering. And it's sometimes big and sometimes it's tiny, Mm -hmm. but it's there, you know, it's there. Mm. Thank you, Heather, for being vulnerable. It's so hard to be, um, a person who shares stories at the same time, <laughs> especially written down as they're happening for others to comment on. It's just, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. so hard to um, do that. So I appreciate every time that you do and every time you don't take it down <laughs> when it's a pushback, but if you take it down, it's right. okay. Cause it's also stressful <laughs> to keep getting comments. It's back to the root rut. <laughs> Back to the metaphor, yeah. the vulnerability of exposing your roots mm-hmm. and letting them be cut off. You're yeah. doing it for everybody else. You're letting people see it. It's good. Yeah. So inclusion, we're in inclusion month, guys. Inclusion month. Is it inclusion month or inclusion awareness month? I guess not awareness of inclusion. I mean, it probably is inclusion awareness month. Um, no, I think it's just inclusion <laughs> it's month. inclusion month. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I even hate how <laughs> I even hate how inclusion like the word inclusion has become Cruci- so know. tainted. Yeah. I don't know. That's a yeah. bigger conversation. <laughs> well, they can't, we can't layer that. We're good. We, we got ten minutes. We, we haven't we tra- we've said it like already. Real grumps. But the- <laughs> we try to talk about all the labels. Even the fact that <laughs> Like mm-hmm. two, th- how many times you're in an IEP meeting and inclusion is talked about as a thing that your child needs to earn? Oh, needs to or earn. Or inclusion is a thing yes. that that has to they have to show a certain amount of skill set to, to be able to qualify yes. for and inclusion. My, yes, as if my favorite yeah. is when then um, when I then wanted an eight for sunflower. Well, you know then she wouldn't be fully on her own. <laughs> then I felt like all the like proving of her independence was then thrown right. back in my face. Cause then you're like, but then if she has an aid, then she wouldn't be, you know, include like doing it on her own. I'm like, no, she needs right. that helper there to kind of be like a soft place to land. So she can be included. Cause that, 
I know they know. They know. <laughs> That's so, like this is a weird game we're playing, y'all. And I'm gonna just say that this is weird. <laughs> That's always what I say if things are going weird. <laughs> My IV, I'm like, I don't know. I think that's weird, but let's talk about that first. Because <laughs> you know they know, and then some people on the team are like, I feel like want to wink at me. <laughs> some people on the team are like, let's try and hold the line. You know, so silly. <laughs> inclusion (laughs) bless we had a listener um ask for a topic ask for discussion on the complexity of special programs like sports art social travel church and how these programs leaders buddies in quotes volunteers in quotes shift narrative Mm -hmm. or not um the pros and cons the emotional Mm -hmm. toll of having or not having options like that, whether it is inclusive, inclusive or exclusive. Ooh, that's um, such a good one. And like so special complex. programs. Yeah. It is. And I think the idea fits in my mind and it, it might not for everybody, but that, that phrase inclusion is the absence of non-inclusive practices or non of non-inclusion. And I think that and everyone's going to be like, I don't think this is true, Heather. Somehow in my mind, it can work to have different separate programs and as a support. I think there's a difference and a nuance there that we need to explore as a culture and within disability and um, intellectual disability of like support versus a service and like a separate service versus a support. And it comes down to the condition of the heart. What is the mm-hmm. soil? Let's stick with that. Cause if the soil is inclusive soil and you're, and then there's this separate time or this separate moment or this separate space so that the person with the disability is supported so that they can be included. Um, cause it's going to look different, right? Inclusion doesn't just mean my kid with a disability is doing everything that the kids with disabilities are not doing in the same space and the same time that it's, that's too big, right? Like inclusion plain. What's the opposite of nuance? It's, it's broad brushing. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like inclusion doesn't mean you can like run at the same pace or that Mm. you can learn at the same pace or, you know, whatever it is. It's, that's why inclusive practices Mm -hmm. are so important because it's about Right. The individual practice. Yeah, I think right? when we live, yes, definitely. I think when we live in a world where my my Macy and my August are not seen as other, then the programs don't matter, right? Like the if the soil is there, mm-hmm. then the separate program is actually not going to be in question because the intention is the inclus the inclusion of all, and yeah, this is very underbaked here, but. Just talking. Does that resonate with any of you? Like, what do you think about that? Well, those ideas. I feel like um, I totally get what you're saying, Heather. I do like there to be options. Um, I just I can't imagine there not being an option since. Um, also because of parent comfortability. And I feel like, I guess when I only think about sports, so Sunflower is in a fun new season of just doing our local 
city basketball team and they have been wonderful. They've seen her value. It's not even a big deal. I guess there's like no conversation, which is so lovely. There's like, you know, just encouragement. She's on the team and it's great. And I am happy that we went that route. I actually felt like as a parent, I wanted to just stick with the um, sports for kiddos with disabilities. Like I just sought that out because I was scared of Sunny getting hurt. I was scared of other teammates, not making fun of her, but just like being a little bit rougher and capable. So I felt like I appreciated having that option to be able to have Sunny start there. I saw that she had a natural joy and like she could do basketball, you know, she could do drills, she could do those things. And so then I felt like having her in that team was actually not to her benefit, but it was a really fun way to start. I don't know if that makes sense, but it was just very comfortable. It was sweet. I got to meet other peers who also have disabilities. Cause I feel like a lot of these spaces to allow for a really great, safe connecting point and social point for some, you know, um, almost like a fellowship, right. Of like, like people, which also needs to exist within our community as well. So that's why I think it makes it complex. Cause I feel like both need, it's nice when both options exist. I just feel like in the manner of when you decide to join like mainstream, like I just that invitation, how are other, how's the world outside of just special needs world being inviting? I felt like if that was raised up better then it wouldn't. Cause it's almost, I keep doing this mirror thing. Cause I just want, cause it keeps coming up to me. It's kind of like, you know, there's um, BET black entertainment television, you know, and that's a specialty. And I wonder like, okay, is that okay? Like, there's not just like white entertainment TV, you know? And like, but well, for because good that's reason, what TV right? Cause that's was. just, yeah, that's right. That's right. every TV <laughs> that, that was every channel. And I feel like, but it's also honoring to black culture to feel like you can go and be the, in that space that fully gets your culture, you know, and like, I could see that in a way for the disability space and how it's needed. I don't know if I went on a tangent or if I answered that question, but I see the need for both. But I also, I think the other, the like mainstream world just needs to elevate mm -hmm. itself so that that it's not, Oh, you know what? Well, maybe Sunny could would have a fun time at this basketball. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. for her. You know, like you go in mm -hmm. feeling that way, like that's going to happen when we show up. Luckily it didn't happen, but I feel like that mm -hmm. could be a common narrative that if this other space exists, mm -hmm. that's where yeah. they should go yep. first. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's that, again, it is and when the world sees disabled people as fully human and valuable and like with the desire to be in relationship with and learn from 
when that happens and that's the foundation, then the separate programs take on a whole different meaning. So, yes, you know, that's yeah. totally the heart behind them, the way we see them totally different. means something yeah. different. Um, and I've said this before and I'm such a, makes me sound like such a downer, but I don't think that's hap- going to happen in our generation. <laughs> so, but it's what we're working towards, you know, which is and why time. let's take a full circle here, mm-hmm. which is why I'm going to challenge the system that says that expects Macy to meet an aide to walk to class. Again, it's not even about needing an aide to walk to class. This is not what it is about, you know? Um, because a lot of people, I mean, some parents were like, yeah, my my child would run into the street. It's like, of course, then they should have an aide and meet an aide and have that person walk your child to class. Does your aide see your child who would run across the street or whatever it is as an incredible full human as they are, you know, or do they see them as half human? Let's add, like, let's get there. Let's get to the root of that. Because that's the problem here. It has nothing to do with a separate entrance or not. It has nothing to do with a separate program or not. Do you see the humanity in my child? And because of the absence of inclusive practices, I don't think you do. Because dang, it took me a while and I'm her freaking mom. You know, like, let's just be truthful there. Took me a, took me a blink. So what do we do? I think do? we solved it. I think we figured it out. <laughs> oh, solved. Done. What, wrap it up, Micah. What's the bow? Give us a bow. Um, <laughs> uh, I think the, the bow we have here is we're all doing hard work and let's keep doing it. And um, there's it. the, it's a both and like we, we can, we can move the world towards uh, true inclusion and true inclusion mm. being seen the humanity in every person. And as we do that, we that means we're going to wrestle with what is available and what our child needs. And it's going to look different. And um, let's just do the wrestling. Let's just keep having the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the things that move us forward. Mm. So yes. happy inclusion Good month, one. people. Happy Inclusion Month. Happy, yeah, Black History Month. Um, Okay, on that note, we're going to move ahead and do some good news. So we'll be right back after we hear from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Able Now. For too long, Americans with disabilities weren't able to save money for the future. Advocates fought hard to change this, resulting in a grassroots movement that changed the law so people with disabilities can achieve a better life experience. So incredible. Today, AbleNow accounts help eligible individuals and their families save and invest without endangering certain disability benefits that are critical for health and independence. There is no enrollment fee, no minimum amount required to start your savings, and anyone can contribute to the account to help make dreams a reality. Save for today's needs or for future goals. Funds in your AbleNow account can pay for a variety of qualified disability expenses related to health, independence, and quality of life. AbleNow accounts are available to qualified individuals in all 50 states. Learn if you or someone you know is eligible for an AbleNow account. Go to ablenow.com. That's A-B-L-E-N-O-W dot com. Time for good news. Time for 
I have some good news that requires a little story. I'm going to try okay. to tell it okay. so fast because good news is supposed to be very brief. Okay. The good news is Macy went to her semi-formal middle <gasps> school dance and had the best time of her whole life. Um, and she, when I found out about it, I got a text message about it while we were in Iowa at my grandma's funeral and my stomach dropped and I thought, no, absolutely not. Because all I pictured, because Macy doesn't have a lot of meaningful relationships at school right now. And all I pictured was her at home getting ready by herself while all the girls are at with their friends getting ready and then being dropped off by herself and walking into the dance by herself and dancing by herself. And I just, it crushed me, the thought of it. And then I talked to a really good friend who has <gasps> a 36-year-old daughter with Down syndrome. And she's really been a good sounding board for me and a mentor in my life and a good friend. And I said, I don't think I'm going to... Macy should go. What do you think? And she said, Heather, you have to tell Macy about the dance and you have to let her decide. And what I was doing, talk about not presuming competence. I was um, not seeing her ability to make a decision like that for herself. I didn't see that. And it was like, oh, Heather, come on, girl. Because of course, mm. while Macy has limited, limited language and speech, she will not want to put herself in a position where she will feel those feelings of isolation and othering. Um, of course. Right. And so she, so we, we did that. I, I told her, and then she really wanted to go. And then the good news was there were a couple other cute little friends from her classes who were there. Um, and she had the best time and they did have a couple of aides there because there were quite a few kids from her, from the living skills program there. And so at the end of the night, well, she like she went in by herself, which was great. She had her ticket and did the whole thing. And then when I picked her up, one of the aides who was there with, with the other kids said, Macy did not come off the dance floor for the entire two hours. She didn't stop for mm-hmm. one second. And then when she got in the car, she was so thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> and then she just was giddy and talked about every, like started in the car, this like almost like a self-talk yeah. of like, Taylor Swift and Beyonce, <laughs> single lady, single lady. Like she kept singing the songs and talking about the songs. And I was so proud of her and proud of me yeah. for yeah. having a moment of like being willing to to ask someone what they think, who I trust. Yep. Right. I think that's a hard thing to do because they could say you're wrong. And she said, Heather, you're wrong. And I was wrong. Mm. And um, it was a good m- reminder that Mason can do so much. I limit her. Mm-hmm. I limit my kids. Yeah. I don't want to, and I don't mean to. And then I do it. So it's such a good reminder and awareness of that, that I'm still doing that. I probably will my whole life, but that I get to work towards not doing that. I'm grateful. Good work, Heather. We had to send her to that <laughs> and good dance. Job, Mace. Yes. Oh, I just love picturing her. Taylor Swift, Beyonce, single ladies. <laughs> She okay. sat in her bed after, like, like she was on such a high, and she's totally ready for bed, and she just sat in her bed, like, singing oh, and laughing. And <laughs> so good. Sweet girl. Oh, I love it. Um, I have – my good news for Ace is that even though we are figuring out the ADHD medication, we stopped his medication a week ago, 
and he has slept through the night every night since we stopped his medication. Oh my gosh. And we had been going on like three or four months of waking up every night with him. And so that is a great joy to sleep through the night. And I'm very, very thankful. So. Oh my gosh. Sleeping through the night is maybe the best it's news. It's really wonderful. <laughs> so thank you, Ace. And whatever comes with this medication, I'll be sure to let you guys know. But for now, hooray is what I say. Hooray. Okay. And I have another piece of good news from one of our listeners, our friend at SunnysideUp underscore syndrome says, Sunny turned six weeks old today. He turned a corner in the hospital fighting a virus and hasn't needed oxygen all day. Oh, sunny side up. Okay, I follow this um, family on Instagram. And sunny side, sunny, is I would give almost anything to be snuggling this baby in my, maybe skin on skin. It's not weird. It's going to be fine. I would give anything (laughs) for this baby (laughs) on my chest. Um, you got to follow this account, you guys. Okay, we'll okay. have a link in our okay, in our show notes. Oh, Sunnyside, <laughs> thank you for letting us know. And oh, we're cheering for you. Hope that you continue fighting that virus. Let's do it. It's so good. Yes. Friends, we love getting good news from you. You can leave us good news. You can email hello at theluckyfewpodcast.com. Or I would say your best bet is to make sure you're following the Lucky Few Pod on Instagram and leaving us a direct message or just right there in the comments on one of the posts what your good news is. We love celebrating the big, the little, the big things, little things, and everything in between. And now it's time to wrap it up. Thank you, Josh Avis, for editing and Val Schleter for producing and Ashley Fracolasi for managing our social media. And if you like this episode, share it with your family and friends. And don't forget to subscribe. You can head to theluckyfewpodcast.com for all show notes and you can head there and find all of the episodes that we talked about here yes. too. Every, all of those will be easily linked, but if you go on theluckyfewpodcast.com and find it, there's like a little picture and a bio, um, a, more information about that episode. So do that and anything else we mentioned today, which was a lot of good stuff today. And then of course, make sure you're following over at on social media at the Lucky Few Pod. And listener, this is your reminder, your weekly reminder, friend, that you are slaying it. We love you. We're cheering you on. And we can't wait to be together again next week. So bye, everybody. Deuces. Deuces.